This is an ABC podcast. Almost one in two recipients of Commonwealth rent assistance spend about a third of the money that comes in on rent. Families suffering rent stress like this say it makes feeding a family hard going. In the fridge you can smell the sausages. We're sick and tired of smelling the sausages. And we head to Derby in the Kimberley of Western Australia where prisoners are chipping in to cook meals for families displaced by the floods. Yeah, most of the boys here are are from that area. So most of their families and stuff, we, we, we are cooking for them. Oh, it's good to help out, give back to the community. Yeah, just to help the people in the floods. I'm Sinead Mangan and this is Australia Wide, coming to you from Wadjuk Country. And as we go to air, the tiny radioactive capsule that everybody's been looking for has been found. It went missing on the 10th of January when it was transported across Western Australia from a Pilbara mine site. It was thought to be a needle in a haystack, but it's been found. Here's what WA's Emergency Services Minister Stephen Dawson had to say about it. It was located by emergency services. Uh, It was discovered uh, at about 11am this morning first, uh, just south of Newman, but it was found by a team from the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organisation and DFES, uh, also supported by the Department of Health. Uh, The agencies involved in the operation are now arranging for the safe transport of the capsule. You're listening to ABC Australia Wide. And you're with me, Sinead Mangan. An Outback Queensland Council is going to extraordinary lengths to address a major housing shortage by auctioning off almost 50 large blocks of land for bargain prices. Business and tourism is thriving in the Flinders Shire, but a lack of accommodation options is limiting growth. The opportunity to secure a cheap block is now attracting interest across Australia. Lily Nuthling reports from Hewenden. Tenille and David Reeston moved to the northwest Queensland town of Hewenden a year ago in search of an easier pace of life. We liked the idea of living back in the outback. We'd lived here about 10 years ago and uh, decided to relocate from Townsville to enjoy the lifestyle, the friendly faces. You know, it's just an easy place to live. The newlyweds manage the local caravan park and live on site. They're searching for a property to call their own. We're very interested in buying a a house or a block of land in Hyundai. We're interested in investing in the place. We can see its potential and uh, we'd like to stay out here to raise our family. As is the case across the outback, housing is in short supply in the Flinders Shire. The region is experiencing a business and tourism boom. But Aaron Zamet from the Hewenden Chamber of Commerce says a lack of accommodation is stifling the region's growth. You see people through social media platforms, through phone calls, calling to inquire, say, right, how do we move to Hewenden? How do we, you know, how do we bring our family out? And there's just no options at the moment. It's a, it's a bit of a scary one. So there's no doubt that it's impacted impact population numbers, yeah, for sure. In a bold plan, the Flinders Shire Council is preparing to auction off 48 blocks of vacant land later this month. The plots are in the towns of Hewenden, Prairie and Torrens Creek. While the reserve prices aren't public, many are speculating land could be snapped up for amounts in the low five figures. Flinders Shire Mayor Jane McNamara says it'd be tough to find a better deal elsewhere in Australia. There has been a lot of interest, so we're we're expecting quite a good response. What we really want is for people to build a home on the for either 
somebody to live in or for rent. That's the main objective. The prospect of nabbing a cheap block has attracted potential buyers from across the country. The council is also offering $5,000 grants as an incentive to get people building new homes on the land. Jane McNamara says each sale will come with construction conditions to ensure the blocks don't sit idle. So we're not envisaging people to be investing and, and putting it in their back pocket to pass on to their grandchildren. Uh, we want them to actually be uh, providing a home on these blocks of land. Tennille and David Reeston are among those eyeing off a block. I think there'll be some definite bargains. Mm. I think we'll be surprised at the interest there'll be because I think there's some investors that have got their eye on the place yeah. with all these projects that are um, in the pipeline or, or going ahead or yeah. have already got plans in place over the next 10 years. Those projects include new wind farms and a high-voltage electricity network through northwest Queensland. Aaron Zamet says he's hopeful the offer of cheap land will help attract and retain workers. Oh, we would love people to move out west, um, bring new families, bring new trades, bring new, yeah, new investment opportunities, and, and there's so much of that coming up anyway, but we need people obviously to support that and come out and, and make, make Ewenden or make Flindershire their home. You've got to look at it as an opportunity if you're you know, getting, trying to build something and, and build something in Townsville or in Brisbane. It's so expensive now and it's, it's, it's unaffordable for a lot of people, but you've got a really a big growing economy out here. You've got a really good lifestyle, a change of pace that's really cost effective and you get much more bang for your buck. So it makes it a really good opportunity for people who want to set themselves up and get started. Aaron Zamet from the Hewenden Chamber of Commerce ending that story from Lily Nuffling. Families say they're struggling to cover their rent despite support from the federal government. Data from the Productivity Commission shows almost one in two recipients of Commonwealth rent assistance are experiencing rental stress. Emma D'Agostino has this story from Bendigo in Victoria. You go close to that fridge, you open the fridge, you can smell the sausages. We're sick and tired of smelling the sausages because that's all you can afford. Mary Stevens is grateful to receive Commonwealth rent assistance. But the Bendigo grandmother says the $175 her family receives a fortnight isn't enough to alleviate their financial stress. Mary again. We're diabetics. We don't eat very well. If we go to charities... We don't get diabetic food. It's mainly for the kids. The family has been renting a four-bedroom house from a housing and homelessness service provider for the past eight years. We were renting privately, but the rent got too high. Mary receives a disability pension. She and her partner are raising three teenagers. They open up the fridge one minute. Next two minutes, open up the fridge again. They say magic hasn't appeared. The rent comes first, and then the food, then whatever we can. Data from the Productivity Commission shows almost one in two recipients of Commonwealth rent assistance are experiencing rental stress. People are in rental stress when they spend more than 30% of their income on rent. Rent assistance is really falling behind average rent. This payment hasn't been increased in years and even decades. That's May Azizi, the spokesperson for a national housing campaign called Everybody's Home. They are calling on the federal government to increase Commonwealth rent assistance by at least 50% and expand the eligibility. 
Here's May again. Right now, the maximum rate of rent assistance that you can get is $150 a fortnight, $100 if you're in a share house. The problem with that is that it hasn't gone up since rates were set back in the 90s. So it really reflects what rents looked like back in the 90s, and it's not pegged to rent. So right now, it goes up with CPI. But the problem with that is that we all know that rents go up so much faster than that. 1.3 million households were receiving Commonwealth rent assistance as of December. In a statement to the ABC, Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth said rent assistance was indexed to CPI twice a year to keep pace with increases in the cost of living. The government expects to spend more than $5 billion on Commonwealth rent assistance this financial year. It intends to review income support payments ahead of every federal budget. I put everything into my housing because I cannot afford to lose this place. The rental down here in Echuca at the moment, it's like I've got a friend looking for a house at the moment and there's 70 people going for a house. So I make sure I keep that rent up, but the shortfall comes with everything else. That's Ryan Ridgewell. He's a single father with two daughters who is renting a three-bedroom house in Echuca. Ryan receives $178 a fortnight in Commonwealth rent assistance. My actual rent is $720 a fortnight, so 178 is not a big <laughs> cut out of that sort of thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty hard, like some weeks it is really hard to get through and we use other services and stuff like that. Ryan is one of the many clients Bendigo Family and Financial Services sees that is receiving rent assistance, but is still struggling. Here is the services general manager, Jenny Elvey. Around about 33% that we saw in the last few months that have struggling to pay their rent or keep up to their rent that are receiving rent assistance. She wants to see the payment increased and offered to more people on low incomes. Jenny says creating more affordable housing would also be a huge step forward. There is a real lack of community housing to cover everyone that's requiring support. So they're going into the private sector looking for rent and the rents are just unaffordable. If you're on JobSeeker or if you're on a parenting payment. Housing and homelessness service provider Haven Homesafe had more than 1,500 new regional clients who needed help for the first time last year. In a statement to the ABC, Chief Operations Officer Vanessa Brotto said the organisation saw many people on low incomes who were spending more than 60% of their earnings on rent and struggling to cover necessities like food, energy bills and medical requirements with what was left over. May from Everybody's Home says more social and affordable housing is the answer long term. Commonwealth Rent Assistance was actually set up to save the government money on social housing, but that hasn't really panned out. It now costs the government about three times as much as spending on social housing and homelessness services combined. We've got a shortfall of 500,000 homes right across the country, and we're calling for the government to start building 25,000 new social homes a year to get on top of that shortfall. Emma DiGostino reporting there from Bendigo in Victoria. It's been almost a year since catastrophic floods destroyed the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales, one of the worst floods to hit Australia in living memory. A year on, people are still living in tents and shells of houses as the slow process of recovery continues. Many displaced locals are waiting for a buyback offer for their flood-affected homes, but so far they've yet to be forthcoming. People are desperate for information, and that's what led the Northern Rivers Flood Action Group to hold a public meeting in Woodburn yesterday. Our reporter Bruce McKenzie went along, and among other things, he learned the first buyback offers could be on the table as soon as next week. It was billed as a chance to get some answers from the Northern Rivers Reconstruction Corporation and that was enough to attract about 100 people to Woodburn's Memorial Hall on a wet Tuesday afternoon. Most were keen to get some details about the $700 million Resilient Homes Program that was announced by the Prime Minister and the Premier more than three months ago. 
That's the scheme that includes voluntary buybacks, house raising and retrofitting. The NRRC's Chief Executive David Witherden was the man with the microphone on centre stage. There'll be more than 6,000 homes eligible for that and that's across the, the, the Northern Rivers area. Already in terms of applications uh, for, for that program since we uh, opened those, we've had more, more than 8,000. So we're certainly oversubscribed for, for that already. Uh, already we've undertaken um, independent valuations of more than uh, 25 homes for that. And we, we expect to be in a position hopefully next week to be making the, the first offers uh, for, for voluntary purchase. Those figures didn't add up for former Lismore Mayor Jenny Dow, who was acting as MC and asking some of the 150 questions that had been sent in prior to the event. She was keen to quiz Mr Witherden about how long this might all take. 6,000 homes and 25 valuations at this stage does not sound very good. The crowd remained polite throughout the meeting, but there was a definite feeling of frustration in the air. Woodburn man Ken Morrison can understand why. Oh, they're trying, but nothing seemed to advance more than what we knew two months ago. They're struggling. What about you? How are you going? We're all struggling. The whole town's struggling. Yeah. Yeah, we're all living in shells, or we're living in tents, or we're living in sheds. I mean, no one's living in the house, or if they are, they're squatting in the house with no walls and no, no plumbing and no, no electricity. Is there... There seemed to be obvious frustration with how long the process is taking. Is that a fair observation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's, it's not the government's fault. It's just the situation. You know what I mean? But people are getting frustrated because stuff is taking so long and they won't give you detailed information, if that makes sense. I mean, like, we want to go for the retrofit, but they're not saying when. I mean, and I've been lucky enough to land some builders from Queensland to start building my house. But all I took out of this was I'd better start taking photos to prove (laughs) what's been done because I'm not going to be ripping it apart, but I've changed everything downstairs from... I mean, everything was timber and chip rock, and now it's all going to be steel and metal walls. So I need to take photos and I mean, everything's, everything's been retrofitted. The meeting was organised by the Northern Rivers Flood Action Group. President Tony Carusi left on a positive note. Some of the expectations might, may be a little bit unrealistic, but, but in general I think uh, people uh, are expecting uh, things to um, have moved along quicker than what they have. Uh, but from, the, from this point on, now that the corporation seems to have a lot more staff and, and they're uh, getting, getting into it, uh, I think hopefully we'll see some, um, some increased movement over the next few months. What would your message be to people out there that are wondering what the future holds? Well, I think the, the message is, is very clear. Don't despair and never give up. Hopefully some answers there for people in Lismore soon. Bruce McKenzie reporting there. This is ABC Australia Wide. Let's head to the Rivulin region of South Australia now. It's a prime fruit growing growing region of Australia and right now on many people's properties, nectarines, figs, peaches and mandarins are ripe for the picking. But the problem is with homegrown fruit comes fruit fly and there's an outbreak of the so-called Queensland fruit fly across the Rivulin. 
Fruit fly restrictions means homegrown fruit can't leave the property, which is proving challenging for Sonia Fitzner, who's starting to prepare the endless school lunches for her boys. Eliza Burledge spoke to her at her permaculture property in Loxton. We have so much fruit at the moment because it's summertime, so we have so much starting to ripen up and it's and it's delicious. But however, we can't take it off the property now, so we will be eating it straight off the tree and we'll be processing it, like making fruit wraps or putting it in the dehydrator and giving certainly the bird peck fruit to the chickens. So, Could you normally be packing some of that fruit for your children to take to school? Oh, absolutely. My kids, you know, they're growing boys and so they need their lunchbox absolutely packed, absolutely jam-packed. And so I have these huge bags of fruit that I usually send in but we won't be doing that this year, so. How much extra work might that make for you as a mother and a, and a single mother, organising healthy snacks for your kids, you know, not just being able to pop a nectarine in from your tree? Uh, it does make things a bit harder. So economically, uh, fruit and veg, you know, with a fruit fly as well as the, the rising prices of fruit and veg, it's costing a fortune at the moment to be um, buying all this stuff when it's sitting there at home. Time-wise, I now have to create things like, you know, doing the fruit straps in the dehydrator or cutting them up and like dehydrating them as a little, so if it's a peach, a little half circle. It's really time consuming. (laughs) Have you heard from any other parents of children in outbreak areas about how they're going with with fruit fly and, and managing, you know, fruit restrictions and packing school lunches? Uh, I haven't really spoken about it with anyone, but they're certainly uh, they're annoyed that it's happening, that it's still happening. This has been a few years now. I'm in the area that originally had the first fruit fly outbreak, and that was just, it was such a shock then, but I think people who have, this is like, what, second time around? Getting used to it, but for someone who hasn't been in a fruit fly zone yet, it's, it's infuriating. Loxton mum, Sonia Fitzner. Primary Industries of South Australia's Nick Seckham says with all of the recent outbreaks found in backyard fruit trees, residents need to make sure ripe fruit isn't left on the ground or the tree to rot. So it's really important that people understand that with homegrown fruit, that is really high risk for fruit fly because it's obviously not treated. If fruit fly around, they love homegrown fruit. So we ask people not to move it from their property at all. You can enjoy it at home. Obviously, if you'd like to enjoy that away from home, you can process it. You can cook it. You can freeze it. But please don't move homegrown fruit away from your property because that's how fruit fly spreads and we've seen that happen a couple of times. So enjoy your homegrown fruit at home but please don't take it to work, don't take it to school in a school lunchbox, don't take it to sport. If you want to take those sorts of things to school or work or or, or other places, please buy retail fruit, keep that receipt, we know that's fruit fly safe. Mr Seckham says despite the new outbreaks, increasing reports of potential fruit fly sightings show the community is engaged in the fight to eradicate the pest. Of the most recent fruit fly outbreaks, all of them have been reported by people who have checked their backyard fruit, which is great. And that's what we want people to do. We want people to check their backyard fruit and ring our hotline on 1300 666 if they see anything that looks like fruit fly. Pursa Fruit Fly Response General Manager Nick Seckham. Adelaide dietitian Dr Shabnam Kashif says children will get plenty of nutritional benefits even if the fruit isn't fresh. Generally, when we think about fruit, we would be happy, especially for children as well, um, as dietitians, we'd be happy for children to eat fruit 
um, in any form that would encourage them to eat fruit because eating fruit, whether it's pureed, fresh, dried, frozen, is going to be better than eating no fruit, of course. Really, the priority is eating the fruit and not worrying about the format of the fruit. Adelaide dietitian Dr. Shabnam Kashif ending that story from Eliza Berlidge. ABC Australia Wide. Prisoners in the Kimberley of Western Australia have been drafted in to assist with providing meals for flood-affected community members and the growing number of workers rebuilding the region. The town of Fitzroy Crossing has suffered from food shortages with displaced flood victims uncertain of when they can return home. While the kitchens at the regional prison in Derby were already busy, prisoners were keen to lend a hand to help out their extended family affected by the floods. Kimberley reporter Aaron Park went inside to see the big cook-up in action. At the moment we're making a lasagna for offices, then we're going to make a spaghetti bog for uh, the refugees from the floods. Hopefully it feeds all of them. That is the largest amount of mince bolognese I've ever seen. How many people do you reckon could, that could feed? Over 80 for the flood people. All right, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. Get back to your staring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Heather Murchie, and I'm the acting superintendent at West Kimberley Regional Prison. These guys, you know, they have a lot of family. They, they're from these remote communities. They're watching on TV what's going on, feeling a little bit disempowered that they can't be there to help and support their families. So by giving back to their communities, they feel that they're contributing and being part of the, the overall rescue effort. Are they good cooks? Very good cooks, yeah. yeah. For guys that are essentially unskilled labour, because they're not qualified, uh, we have a chef that's qualified but oversees them, yeah, they're amazing and you know, they get these meals out professionally and you know, with a smile on their face. And uh, what are their specialty dishes? Uh, well, we've been having a fair bit of devil's sausages this week because of our, our store situation. But, yeah, look, they can do whatever and uh, sometimes we'll do a staff breakfast uh, for special occasions or anniversaries and, and that's, that's really great to see that with the bacon and eggs. And, but I love their barbecues as well. And just explain the situation with, with supplies. Has that been a little challenging? What, what's the situation in town? Yeah, look, we're in a good position. Uh, as part of our emergency response plans, we cater for events such as this. So what we do is we keep on hand essentially up to four weeks of supplies, uh, and that's for uh, the cooking in the kitchen, uh, dry goods, other normal items, toilet papers, all, all the rest of it. So that comes under our cyclone plan. Yeah, most of the boys here are from that area, so most of their families and stuff, we, we, we are cooking for them. Oh, it's good to help out, give back to the community, yeah, just to help the people in the floods. There's also a real shortage of people with cooking skills to work at places, hotels and cafes across the Kimberley. Yeah. I wonder if some of these fellows, I guess that becomes an option then, doesn't it? Oh, it can, yeah. Look, all the skills that they're being taught here, whether they get a vocational certificate or something out of it or whether they're just getting life skills all those go with them so it goes into their toolbox of what they can achieve there we've got mechanics here we've got our industries as well they're learning you know how to uh, run a lawnmower work a whippersnipper you know, all things like that that fix taps all that can go back to their communities and make them you know, so productive members of that community and role models. One thing that uh, I'm very proud of uh, as the uh, acting superintendent is the team 
approach to everything. These guys are pretty chilled and uh, part of that is because of the ethos of the prison and also the environment they're in and they respond to that environment in a positive way. And I think just thanking the team and when the chips are down, always they rise to the occasion and I've never once been disappointed by the staff here getting in and mucking in and and getting things done. Uh, At the moment I'm the head chef, so (laughs) not not bragging, but I'm the best cook in here at the moment. (laughs) I absolutely believe you. (laughs) Did you do much cooking before? Yes, yes. I grew up in Broome, so pretty much knew how to cook since we were young, so... What do you think of the quality of the food that comes out? It's everybody's pretty good. It's the best food, so no, no complaints. That's John, an inmate at the West Kimberley Regional Prison in Derby in Western Australia, who's working in the prison's programme to provide food and relief to flood-affected community members. And earlier we heard from Acting Prison Superintendent Heather Murchie, and the reporter you heard was our very own Erin Park. And that's Australia-wide for this Wednesday. Remember, you can find out more about these stories that we present to you each day if you go to the Australia-wide webpage. Just head to the ABC and you'll find us there. And of course, we're podcast every day as well and you can find us on the ABC Listen app. I'm Sinead Mangan. I hope you have a lovely evening. Cheerio. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.